All right, everybody. Welcome back to Daily DVR. This is Axel. You can find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com. Become a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. Today is Thursday, September 21st, 2023. I remembered to say the date. I've got a very special guest today. It's our friend Scott Eric Candiotti, who we know from the serious TV drama podcast and all the way back in the day i think we initially know each other from both being fans of jay and jack right is not how i think we both came by each other that whole community if i'm incorrect at that but how you doing scott i'm doing good and you're absolutely right i feel that 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 jay and jack thing is a web that's entangled you know hundreds if not thousands (laughs) of us over the last I think half the people I've known on Facebook over the years is how I how I met yep. them that way. We're we're all somehow Chargers fans, um, but today <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about. Not the Chargers, though. You can listen to our uh, we do a football podcast now called Around the Couch. You can listen to that. Uh, we're going to be doing that again, and we just dropped an episode. And uh, I did want to shout out to Marm and I have another great guest, so tune in there. But today we're going to talk about a host of different stuff um some shows that you've covered on your show scott and some topics and we're going to start out we were talking before we hit record a little bit about the strike um and i'd love to hear your thoughts we're actually on day 143 of the writer's strike and day 69 of the actor's strike which i believe are both records for both actors and writers, the longest strikes since they've been doing this, which is what, 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 what year is it? 2020. It's like less than a hundred years. So it's not like, you know what I mean? A lot of, t- I always try to put that into perspective. Like it's not like the Hollywood system has been going on for like a thousand years, folks. Uh, but it is the longest strikes in both. And um, there's been some contentious stuff recently, mostly around late night hosts and Bill Maher and Drew Barrymore trying to do their shows. Today, there was some dancing with the stars, kerfuffles. I'm not quite sure if the message is getting out there. That's something I wanted to ask you, Scott, what you think about what's going on and basically how maybe fans or the general public feels about this at this point. But um, I don't know. What are some of your thoughts about the strike? Well, I mean, right from the get-go, I, I'm going to say that I am in support of the. On, I'm on the writer's side when it comes to this, and 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 by proxy, I guess the actors as well, because that's why the actors went on strike as well initially to support the writers, although they have they have some of the same or similar issues that the writers had. Um, it's some when people in the entertainment business go on a a strike or things of this nature. It's always going to be difficult to get the public behind you because they always kind of go with the cliched look, like oh, you're the in, you're already the entitled ones. You're already you know you're you're yeah. you're famous. You're making money when they don't realize that yeah, you're thinking of like the top one or two percent of that profession. You're not realizing that you know those people that you watch who show up on you know that fill out the cast of Law and Order every week or whatever um they're really not making that much money than you are dude yes, you yeah. know this is something we've talked a lot about too cuz Heath as a SAG after member went over with us on one of our pods about exactly how much he made from being on Snowfall he was on a cup he was on he got capped 
um, on Snowfall. And uh, yeah, so yeah, you're, that's a great point right off the bat, man. It's it's not, this isn't about Brad Pitt. This is about an industry, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's help. I mean, certainly it's going to be helpful to the, the masses who are on going on strike that someone like, you know, the fact that like Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul walked the picket line with them for whatever number of days. That's cool that they did that because it attracts attention to it and they will, and they're um, articulate enough to, you know, talk about the issues and make it clear. It is for all these people. It's not for, it's not for their bottom line. They'll be fine. You know, they hell, they got that goddamn, uh, you know, tequila that they can sell <laughs> even though even though they must be just you know kelsey grammer has a beer from faith brewing i saw the other day i'm like man people really branch out ever since uh what's her name from real housewives did the skinny margarita which is right, like right, everybody right. gets a skinny margarita and you're it's like that's great but she made like half a billion dollars or something the, the same thing is right now what Clooney has done with Casamigos, that is now the tequila. I go to bars quite often. I don't drink tequila myself, but I've seen it. Like that's that has become over the over the past year plus, that's the most requested tequila. Clooney might end up very well may end up making more money I'm sure. goddamn tequila than he's ever made in his in his film career, certainly. Um, but back to um the issues. Um, because the, uh, look, there's the there's the AI issue, yeah, and that was and it, for, it was funny because because that was the one that first got noticed that first was talked about, and I remember thinking that's interesting, and I didn't know what to make of it because I I had not familiarized myself with the whole was it Chat GPT or and all that other kind of stuff. I just right, kind yeah, of, it was an education kind of, about that. Me too. I kind of dove absolutely. into it. I found it really interesting. Um, but I, I actually just had a very recent experience, which kind of almost um, brought it all to light for me. Um, as as you know, cause I do my thing with my own kind of screenwriting, still have something we're waiting to go into production. But as a result, a friend of mine who's a producer will send me things to take a look at to either proofread or maybe if I want to like tweak a little or do a little ghostwriting on it or get involved, whatever. So he sent me a pitch deck. Pitch deck is you know when you're for for anyone who doesn't realize what it is. It's it's almost like a little, it's a little deck of images and um, text, kind of describing a movie, the themes, the characters, and you want to try to sell, you know, investors in on it, you know, to, you know, to, to get uh, the budget uh, taken care of and whatever. Um, and he had come up with an idea that was going to be like I don't want to really reveal because he'll probably kill me if I do, but basically something that would be in the more animated Pixar kind of world. Uh, um. And I read, I read through it, and I gave him my opinions on it, and I said, "Hey, I'm I'm curious, because um, one of the there's a there's a thing about clothing throughout the whole uh, concept, and I noticed there was like an extraordinary number of clothing and fabric puns throughout the thing to the point where it was like, Geez, did Stan Lee write this in the 1960s or something? Excelsior, <laughs> exactly, and he said, oh. And that's when he told me he well what they actually did that they had the idea they had you know they come up with a couple concepts and ideas and then they had the rest of it was done the whole thing was written by AI like, oh my god really really he's like yeah so don't take any you know, don't take any of that seriously it's like no but that's very that's both interesting and just a little bit chilling at the same you time you know what the thing to me I don't mean to interrupt but just to kind of jump off this as a writer yourself. 
And I, I've been writing since I was a little kid. I started writing for my dad's magazine when I was like 11, 12 years old. I've always written shit. I would be the guy in college. I used to write my friends papers for them or trade for them. You know, they would do some math work for me. I would do some writing for them because yeah. I was not good at math. Um, and right now, too, I, I could just I, I, do people have that much trouble writing? This is my question. Is it that fucking hard to write? I don't understand. Like writing a writing something artistic. Okay, I understand. Writing a newspaper article. I understand. I'm not saying that writing is easy. That is hard as a job and coming up with ideas, the whole process that's grueling. It's the hardest thing in the world. But is it that really that hard to write like a pitch for something or write like people use chat? I talked to my friend and he said that he used chat GPT to write a letter to his daughter's teacher. And I was like, what? Why didn't you just write it? Wasn't it? Didn't it take you longer to input the scenario than it would have been for you just to write it? I don't know. That's just, I'm sorry. I had to rant on that for a second. But I don't know. It makes perfect sense. The only that's, thing you're that losing I thought, the process. Don't you feel like he's losing part of the pro? Like, I'm not against AI at all. I'm a very tech forward person, but I just feel the way people use it sometimes. I guess it's the early days, but it just seems weird to me. Oh no, I I, I don't disagree. The only thing with the like the aforementioned pitch deck, which made it make at least a little bit of sense is that the AI also created the images that went along oh, with okay. everything. And it had, it, so they, and the images did have that kind of pick Pixar Disney-ish kind of yes, look to them. I see. And he said, even though that might, so that, so that was the part I, I had no That's issue actually with. interesting to me. But the writing part was kind of like, huh. Because I don't, and again, I don't know how much was input. So I don't know as a result of like, how much of this was you guys? How much was it They them? should give credit to the computer. Because, you know, listen, yeah. my favorite film of all time is 2001. And every time Hal shuts down, I cry. He's Daisy. I start crying my eyes out because that um, is such a beautiful character, <laughs> Hal. He is just trying to trying to live, man. You know what I'm saying? The people fucked him up, man. It's And <laughs> here we are back again. Oh, Lord. What are you going to yeah, do? You're talking. You're talking to someone when they were like nine and ten years old, but would be sitting would be sitting at home by himself when his parents were out watching uh, on channel channel five here in New yeah. York Saturday night. They would show two thousand one, and I would watch it as a child. And most children my age would be not interested. This child, my parents oh. would come home, and I would be like, "Girl, <laughs> Oh, there you go. That's good, man. Oh, that gave me chills. Um, yeah. But see, right. they don't even give the, 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 it's funny. And I know I'm just digressing here, but the writers are fighting for credit because what the AI does is based upon samples of other people's work, right? It's programmed right. by people. But right. then it becomes something different. How, when does it become something different? That's going to be the interesting thing to see but then when do you start giving the program credit and just just recently there was a song that was like a fake i don't know who the drake and somebody else song that they created with ai and they credit the computer 
like the program is credited as the writer. And I, and, and supposedly they're contemplating whether or not they're going to, this is for like the Grammys or something. And they're like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they probably just did it for the publicity and for people to talk about it, but that is eventually it goes both ways is what I'm trying to say. When, if you, you st- even if you give the writers credit, which I believe they all should get. And I thought it was interesting that some people are actually suing because their image or likeness or um, a movie, so I, I think this was an actor, a movie there was fed into AI for image as an image. And they're like, right. but that's, you, you can't just use that. Look, how long did college players fight for that? That's the only way they're making money now, right? They can actually sell their likeness in it. This, what is that? PIL it's called, right? I think so. I think um, so. So that's it. That's an interesting thing. A lot of this is kind of coming together, and uh, just yeah. an interesting thing right now. Do you did you did you do you recall just a few months ago when it was one of those? Um, the I guess it was the last Marvel Disney series, uh, Secret Invasion. The one yeah, the Jackson. credit sequence was the AI credits, generated. Was AI, and it became this huge kind of controversy like you know then everyone was railing on about it i i i wasn't aware of it when i first put it on and i kind of kind of liked the credit sequence and then when i heard what it was it's like all right i understand why some people are upset i get it but also part of me was like hmm you know it's, it's interesting and i'm not I'm, I'm not you know extolling the virtues of that show it actually wasn't a very good series to no, be, to be honest not. but if you think about what the themes of that series are with you know <laughs> with the scrolls and everything else it almost seemed eerily appropriate that some other sort of you know artificial intelligence kind of created the credits as opposed yeah. to just regular it's like oh like i wonder Definitely. if they did that an interesting kind of a nod to that but it did you know it's taken away jobs man but i so guess you to- but you know what i i didn't see the reason why i didn't have a problem with it is because they admitted it and they said it up front that the these so that's the thing for right, me. Right, I'm not true. against AI at all. I'm not against if someone wants the AI script, hey, if I can fire up Netflix and put in a series of scenarios or choose 25 of my favorite movies and then it creates a new movie based on those movies and then I can choose who the stars are, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, I'm all for it. Why wouldn't I want to do that? I just think that people should be uh, given credit and also paid in some way, um, royalties or whatever, if their work has been used to program the AI. It's what's the word they use for it? It's not program. It's, um, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm losing there. There's some, I don't know. There's some industry term that they use to describe how they just put in a bunch of images or performances or sounds or whatever that's what mm-hmm. creates the ai right that's that's the parameters that it then creates something in and creates it itself so it's not it doesn't come out of thin air meaning people right. create computers <laughs> right like computers are not right. well well spontaneous well, you've, you've seen it the starts that way that's true <laughs> this, is, this is how Dude, it's 
it's starting. It's I, it, I don't, it I don't, is. I don't, it's and it's I going have to think quick. About it. I I don't quite. I don't think I'm quite on the same page with you on this. One, oh, okay. To a point, um, like for example, the, the thing you just cited of how and how the, the 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 imaginary Netflix scenario, which which is on one hand, yeah, it's cool, it's fascinating, but think of it. Let's say it was like. 20 you know you input you know your your 25 favorite movies and you know your 10 of your favorite you know uh performers and whatever maybe you even oh but here here's what you got to do something else are are we just doing the, those specific movies or maybe just the work of specific directors because i i love a new kubrick movie remember what he thought about ai so <laughs> you know i i also wonder okay there has to be a limit somewhere because you just talked about credits and whether it be just actual credit or financial. Like, well, that means everything that was input needs to get some form of a credit for that and also needs to get some form of financial remuneration for that. And that becomes a really unwieldy thing yeah. because no Netflix or, or, or Disney or anyone, they're not going to be like, okay, we're not going to be doling out money you know, to all these things. Because this one person input, so I don't think we're anywhere near that. So it's maybe we're just talking about a fantasy. Well, scenario, I think but. that there's other ways to. It, it could be a one-time. You're you're right. It, it. Hey, look, you're right in a sense that you can't trust these companies. They've been lying about the amount of money that a movie makes or doesn't make. There oh, are yeah. films and, that are made just for tax write-offs. Right. Yeah. We we see it on streaming now, where yeah. every streamer took off. 50 to 150 million dollars worth of material so they didn't have to pay for it. they just wrote it as a tax write-off right right i mean yep. it's this is wall street shit that i really don't understand like i said that's not really why what i'm what i know about but i know enough to know that um in the end it is going to be difficult you're right for people to be get commiserate payment for whatever they did but at least they're they that that i do i agree with that though with the writers and the actors that you have to start somewhere right and the, and right and what so as far as the strike is concerned and like i said the ai thing was the 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 weird flashy you know glittery object that we all heard about at the beginning of the whole strike thing but what really became the bigger that what i believe is the bigger issue because it's the issue that's happening now and it has been happening for several years now as you were, and you just actually, I love the fact you just kind of referred to it. It's the streaming services. And it's the fact that, you know, these, all these writers, actors, et cetera, are not seeing any, they, they're not making any money off of what you're yeah. watching on Netflix. You know, Breaking Bad became, you know, a much bigger phenomenon due to Netflix. Everyone was binging it between the fourth and fifth seasons, and that's what made its ratings like tr you know triple and quadruple yeah. in its final season, whatever. And everyone from Vince Gilligan on down credits Netflix with that. Did but did but did Gilligan himself or or more or um, Paul or Cranston or anyone else get you know anything from the money from Netflix from all the stream? No, not, as far as I, as far as I've heard, they don't. And they and that's going to become it's going to become a really interesting um, and that's what they're trying to work on. How do you fix that? Is it going to be something moving forward? Are you only going to are you only going to give uh, the writers and specific actors um, 
compensation if they had that kind of a deal originally that yeah. that would have been the old days like the way syndicated deals used to be exactly or how do you do, but do you go back in time what about the people who didn't have it those kind of deals but you're still showing you know tv shows from the 60s you know someone's watching yeah. the dick van dyke show or something that I, but dick van dyke's not getting a dime should he start getting a dime for that or or the, the you know what i'm saying so it, it's a very tricky issue eventually when you have an industry much like the the box office being dubious even more dubious is when streamers talk about how many times something was viewed or whatever and it's oh like, okay, yeah it's total bull. all those lists on, man we're going, faith, we're going on faith on this because yeah. i don't no, you know, I don't think the Nielsen company is, has anything to do with that, as far as I know. Oh yeah, but they so, suck too. They weren't. There was nothing real yeah. about that, you know. I mean, oh, they just they, edge. They screwed, they screwed me over this year. They they sent me a thing and they <laughs> they made me. Agree. They said I was going to be a Nielsen family. They sent me all the equipment. I can't. I tried to get the thing hooked up. One of the things wasn't working. I contacted and let them know, and then the next day they they told me to send it back that I was no longer a Nielsen family. It's like. Wait, what did I do? You sent me a defective oh, piece of equipment, and then you just decided to take it away. It's like I wasn't really—I didn't really—I don't care that I'm losing like eighteen dollars a month, but you know, I would have—I would have liked to. That's interesting. People. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I think really although weird. nothing makes me laugh more that now every streaming service has like a top ten, top ten movies, top ten, and of course, like ninety percent of this stuff is their own bullshit which you know not many people are watching and then they'll throw one or two things on there that people are actually watching you know like netflix will admit okay yeah a ton of people are watching suits but that helps yeah, them just, otherwise because then people want to put their stuff on their service right like right you don't yeah. want to be too exclusive the whole industry is changing um uh, for me through this whole thing and I'm just reading right now, actually, that you had mentioned to me that um, there was some good negotiations today. And yeah, it turns out that at least they were negotiating with the Writers Guild. And some people were feeling good about that, that maybe I don't know what's happening yet. I'm just reading this off like a CNN business article or something. But mm -hmm. it's good that they're talking because the problem that I had is that all the companies were playing the game of just not even negotiating. And when oh, yeah. you don't negotiate, where, where do you go from there? They're just basically starving them out. You know, it's like a Game of Thrones thing. It's like a castle siege is what's basically you're watching happening. And after a while, people are going to get pissed because I think generally you look at television and the late night shows aren't on and there's no people say, oh, there, there aren't so many shows debuting on the networks for the fault. That was going to happen anyway. Television has changed, but they right. benefit from that. Right. So it's just good that they're talking. I think we definitely both support that both support the writers and the actors because yep. it's like, you know, it's you're you're really against Wall Street, really. Oh, the, the decisions that they're making. Right. So what? Yeah, when this whole thing started to go down, what did you say it was like a hundred first started like one hundred forty three days ago, yeah. whatever it was, and it came up in conversation with a couple of people, and I, I I gave my views on it back then, and I had said, dude, it, this nothing's gonna happen over the summer, nothing's gonna happen. Once once we hit the fall, once we start getting close to October, 
uh, all of a sudden schedules are going to start getting screwed up. They're going to start every all the movie slates for the following year are going to start getting rearranged. And there's too much stuff that's like in the middle of production that just got stopped cold. Then they're going to come to the table. But God forbid they fucking do it over to pardon, pardon language. I don't know if you can curse anybody. Yes, you can. Uh, you can oh, good. You can okay. curse. Um, but it, rem- and it almost reminded me, um, obviously, and also a situation where the general public is looking at, you know, you know, rich, the rich against the very rich or whatever, which isn't quite the case with the writers and actors. But I'm thinking of the baseball strike where that went on for several, you know, week upon week upon week, and they're not even talking to each other. And that's what was frustrating. It's like, Dude, yeah. if, they, if they were negotiating this whole time, but all of a sudden they wait like three months and then they start like, which is a tactic though, right? From the people in control. And I think it's always, absolutely, absolutely whenever you have strikes like this, it's good. I'm glad you brought up sports because people will be like, oh, those, you know, that guy gets $5 million a year to throw a ball or whatever. The owners and the corporations can, can they can hide behind the corporation itself, right? Like. When the Yankees are on strike, the players are on strike. It's the players against the Yankees. So it's hard for the people who love a team. They After a while, they kind of start feeling like, where's their team? Oh, we can replace these players. It's harder to stand as an individual. And I think that that, and like you're saying, they just, they kind of wait them out. And uh, hopefully there's some kind of, way forward because this whole landscape is changing there was an article today about um i can't remember what i saw it in i think the new york times you know the golden age of television is gone it it will never come again i mean there's been a million articles about this but they're you know they are the the companies are pulling back and they are producing less content the strike is going to make it happen but they were going to be doing that anyway um because they all rushed to get more subscribers because wall street told them that's what it wanted and then they say how many subscribers can you possibly get like you know what i'm saying like if netflix has a hundred million subscribers it's not enough but it's never enough right because it's right. when it comes to money it's it's never enough but yeah. i wanted to segue to something speaking of never enough you did a great job which i listened to and very much enjoyed your coverage of perry mason on hbo hbo max now hbo go hbo now whatever you watched it on um and i know that fans of this podcast and listeners were fans of perry mason we loved it we talked about it a bunch off and on. Um, but maybe you could give me, tell me a little bit about your experience in covering the show, what you really liked about it, what you felt about the cancellation. Um, maybe just, you know, let's give a little love to Perry Mason. Cause I think that was a really unique show on television and I loved it. And I thought the second season, I loved the second season more than the first. The first I felt was a, maybe a little, trying too hard for that Chinatown feel, you know, whereas I felt the second season felt a little bit more like itself. We were learning about the characters. Um, But I don't know. What did you have to say about it? You covered it. Right. Um, I do agree. Uh, I I actually did prefer the second season over the first season. And you actually hit it with the, uh, the Chinatown reference, Uh, Chinatown being one of my 
top three favorite movies. So it's, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very much aware of that. Um, but I'm also someone who recalls the original TV series. I'd actually read a number of the Earl Stanley Gardner books because my mother had a complete library of mysteries that, that lined the walls in the living room. So I would, you know, every every week I'd pick a different author and start reading a few books like that. Um, and they were actually great fun to read. So, and then, you know, I'll, over the last 20 plus years, we've seen all these like revisions, reboots, whatever you want to call them, remakes or, or bringing back old shows or characters, whatever. And Perry Mason was pretty much the latest one to do that. And um, I very much enjoyed it. It it had, because I'm a sucker for that time period to begin with, you know, you, you're going to set something in the 1930s. I, I already, I already half love it no matter what it is. The um, fan of the you know, Matthew Rees from I always love from the Americans, and I, I just love the 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 noirish feeling it had without really dipping to the point of you know overdoing it. Quite frankly, I like the fact that characters, everyone's in in the land of the shades of gray. You know, there's no there's no white hat or black hats here, and in, in, in either of those two seasons, quite frankly. Um, but when we when when the second season got rolling, when we have Perry as an actual lawyer now for an entire season, because if you're watching a show called Perry Mason, you expect to see some lawyering getting done, you know. Um, and I was really enjoying what they were doing with it because they took turns that were unconventional. And they didn't go the predictable route in, in a few in a few instances, and I really in, I enjoyed that, and I had great hope for what they might be able to do with a third season, and then we find out they're not going to be getting a third season, and it, I can't say it was shocking because it clearly looks like a show that cost a, quite a bit of money to make. The production value is you know oh, the, yeah. of, the, of, of the highest you know everything, and you, you and it's not like you're getting a bunch of you know you know, Canadian extras to to fill out your cast like some old CW show. It's like, no, they're 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 putting together a you know a solid cast as well. That costs money too. Um and I don't know again, going back to not knowing what real numbers are, but at least with something like HBO, you know, the regular cable channel, you can get an idea of ratings, but now you have all the streaming with the HBO Max or Max, where the hell it's called now. Um but it sounded like it didn't. They don't feel it had the kind of support that made sense to go for a third season. But maybe it's just because no, it's just it. Maybe it wasn't talked about enough. It's not getting the. I feel like they're looking at social media, you know, dings and yeah. tweets and whatever. That if people aren't talking, back in the day, we, we come from the generation where people actually refer to things as water cooler shows. And if they're not feeling that, like a Game of Thrones was a water cooler show, right? Um, but Perry Mason, unfortunately, wasn't. People, it wasn't the show that all, everyone was talking about the next day. And HBO has had a lot of those over the years. This just turned, yeah. didn't turn out to be one of them. And I guess we should be happy we even got a second season, especially since it improved upon the first one. But it is regrettable that we didn't get a third season. I would have liked to see a third season of it. Yeah, I thought that they made... Now, they changed the showrunners... Originally, because I remember this, um, it was originally show run by Ron Fitzgerald, who worked on Friday Night Lights, and a guy named, I think it was created by a guy named Roland Jones, this version of Perry Mason, and he was like a playwright. And then they were replaced by 
um, some of the people who show run um, the Nick, which had a, a kind of a period piece feel as well. Similar color palette as well, I feel like. Maybe some more greens. Did you ever see the Nick, the Soderbergh Hospital? That's the one Clive Owen, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I've seen I've I've seen one episode of okay. it. Okay. <laughs> that was really awesome. That was a really great show. That was pretty intense. But I can see that they were pl- that, uh, why they were brought in. And I think they did a really good job. Yeah. I guess you're right, man. It was just I feel the same way. It's funny that you said that. We're lucky we even got a second season cuz I was I did a pod last week and I was talking about um uh winning time the the Lakers show on HBO getting canceled. I don't know if you've watched that. Have you seen that? I, I didn't. I chose not to watch it because I wasn't really that interested in the subject okay. matter. But but for some reason, be it through osmosis of uh, of the world around me, I'm fully aware of the oddness of the the. It seemed like a very sudden cancellation. The way the whole thing kind of came to it. Yeah, they. Matter. Yeah, the showrunners say that. The, I guess they they found out while filming was happening because they were able to kind of tack on this little epilogue to it. Um, right. But it, it, I guess it was kind of sudden. I mean, who knows, you know, people extrapolate, but I said the same thing about that show. I was like, Hey, we were lucky that we even ever got this show. And I feel the same way about Perry Mason. I thought that this was weird from the beginning. I was like, who wants to see Perry Mason? My dead grandmother. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but it's not like kids on TikTok are like, I can't wait till the next episode of Perry Mason drops. <laughs> like, yeah, here's my TikTok. <laughs> like, no. Okay. Right. You know? you, you, well, well, the thing was with Perry Mason was it was never going to be a sell to, you know, majority of potential yeah, viewers it, because of, because of the niche. name. You had the sell had the sell had to be something beyond that and, and then it might maybe it could you know like it could have been like like, like a boardwalk empire look, look how long that yeah i'm always fascinated yeah. that that show ran for so long i feel like it just existed in the perfect time of hbo and the people who supported that like terrence winter how much they loved him and so right. many of the other people involved with the show had been involved with like the sopranos and other shows on hbo that right, right. It, it just like had so much support but R.I.P. Perry Mason. I really love the show. Um, Matthew Reese was great. I mean, he's just fucking amazing in everything. I love that dude. He is just really one of the best actors that we have working right now. And a lot of the the cast, when they concentrated um, more on the ex-cop and his family and what he was going through. Oh, Drake, yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was not boring. That was like, I was like, this is good stuff. He might have been my favorite character on yeah. the show, at least in the second great season. Actor. And great actor, love, love that guy. Um, I, I, the dyna- and when we would get the, the moments of you know Perry and him teaming up, I love the dynamic yes, between the me two too. of them. Me I, too. I found it really fun. Those two, I really appreciated a lot. I mean, I, I mean, look, I like everybody on the show. It's just there's certain people who stand out to me. I can't remember the name of the actor, and you're you're an old, but you remember him probably from Lost more than anything else because I know you're a big Lost fan. Um, he because he showed up briefly on Lost. The guy who played the um, the corrupt cop that they were always dealing with, um, who was kind of uh, he was the antagonist, but then he kind of 
uh, allied himself a little bit with Perry during Eric Lang. Like, that's what I'm thinking of. I think that's this role that might have been the best I've ever seen. Yeah, that. he was doing really a lot right. of things. Yeah, good. And oh, we forgot who stole the whole damn thing. Every time he's on screen was um, oh, what's his name? Shay Wiggum. There you go. He every time he's on screen, he stole the scene. He's the he best was, man. So that good. guy, so he good. he is like HBO is starting to show. They're like Shay, get over here. <laughs> that dude right. is he he is really he, he's yeah. he he's fantastic. Shay Wiggum to, to HBO is like Walton Goggins for for FX. Yeah. back you know like fifteen years ago. It's like, well, we need we, we need to make the show better. Get Walton Goggins. Okay, here we go. Now it's oh, great. hey, what a you great what segue. <laughs> yes. Right. So you There's also more, more than one podcaster here, dude. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. You also covered a um a show that we talked a bit about. Andy and I talked about it. I might actually talk about it with my guest tomorrow, Mike, um, and that is uh, Justified City Primeval. Now, I'll give you my little background. I watched about two or three seasons of Justified. I really liked it, but I was never super into it, and I just kind of faded out. I can't remember. I think it was the season with... um, Oh, what the, uh, the actor, the very stoic, tall, good looking dude with like short, almost white hair. Um, I'm, uh, I'm losing it. I should look this up real quick. Um, I want to say Eric Dane, but that's not who it is. He kind of actually looks like him. He kind of looks like a, he could be a, uh, he's like a, what was that dude's name? Hold on. You're not thinking of it either, are you? Was no, Oh, right. Neil McDonough. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <All> CW <laughs> that that episode, that season that he was on. I don't know what season he was in of Justified, but I think that was the season that I kind of dipped Checked out on Justified. Um, but past that, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great, and then I watched the series and i want to hear first you covered it i did not listen to your podcast about this because i watched this way later with my wife i think we were catching up i think there was we started watching it and there were like two or three episodes left to air so we picked up on it later um and i wasn't again i'm not super into it uh but what were your thoughts on this reboot or continuation one of the fun things about podcasting about that series and we we split it into two podcasts one covering the first half of the season and then a few weeks later we did the second half of the season and i don't even know if i ever even said it on the podcast itself but i did kind of looking back on it i thought it was funny that we're we're covering a series that's about someone who was originally uh, a lawman from kentucky and who's my who's the guy doing the podcast with me someone a lawyer from kentucky so oh, I thought that was kind of an interesting kind of, and he was i remember because he can talk about kentucky with you know great knowledge or whatever um the holla i yeah i really enjoyed it i i know there are some folks who were fans of the original series and they expressed some concerns or reservations because it didn't feel like the original series because he didn't have, he only brought back you know so you know Raylan Givens 
and no one else until the very end, of course. Um, and it didn't take place in, in the holler or in Kentucky, whatever. And I was like, okay, but it, it wasn't supposed to be another season of Justified. It's Justified City Primeval. Um, and it's just the continuing adventures of Raylan Givens, which is really, and it's really just taking a different story by Elmore Leonard that was based around a different character. And they decided, okay, we're going to put Raylan Givens in this instead. We'll make reference to the original character, who was Raymond Cruz, who they who does appear on the on the series at one point and is talked about in another scene. But that's essentially what they did. They just switched the main characters from an Elmore Leonard mm-hmm. story and and created Justified City Primeval. Um, but I like the fact that it was a different environment, a different and the character is com- kind of coming to a reckoning of what his past and what he's been. Um, you know, because he was always uh, you know the guy who was you know having the the old west kind of showdowns in the street with people. That's all the why time. it was called Justified, right? Because he exactly. killed someone, but it was justified. Exactly, and you'll you'll notice in this series, he he only fires the gun once at the end and the guy was it turns out the guy wasn't even pulling a gun that that's all very deliberate it's very interesting if you think about it that way um and just the issues of how we see law enforcement and the stuff they kind of didn't even get away with just a few years ago and how that's come to a head in the very beginning of this series and it's like oh it's very interesting it's like the way they keep bending things but it's like yeah but they've got a point there um, I, there were so many choices that were made that I thought were really interesting and I didn't expect. Um, but I found it so enjoyable and it comes down to Timothy Oliphant more than anything else. When you get someone who's that goddamn likable at the center of your show and you, you will follow this character no matter what he does and where he goes. Well, if. I'll tell you something. If they wanted to like spin this off and keep going for another, you know, five more seasons of it, people will be there to watch it. And the way that this ended, it wouldn't be shocking if they it'd be <laughs> it wouldn't be a Perry Mason situation. I would not be surprised to see us get a new season of Justified. I don't know if there'll be a, an addition to that title somewhere, but the way this ended, I was like, mm, I feel like they're gonna give us some more justified. Because I feel like both um Oliphant and that other person, if we're trying not to spoil it, I don't know, maybe we should. Um, I think they both would be more than happy to return to those roles. Yeah. Well, hey, we agree completely on this show, man. Um, I th- I really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to watch Justified. I knew going in what you described, that it was a different story, and they right they kind of inserted him into it. Yep. but it's still from the same writer. Uh, I know that the creator, uh, what's his name, Graham Yost, was not. I don't. I believe he wasn't really that involved in this because he's making what other? What show is he making? There's some other oh, show he's, that he's making. Oh God, I forgot, and I should know that. That's why so there's me, Google, man. Just, right, don't like- right on the podcast. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Silo. He was making Silo. Oh, okay. Um, On Apple TV Plus, Silo was kick-ass. Did you watch Silo? I did not. You got to watch Silo. I'm a huge sci-fi junkie, and I love everything on Apple TV Plus. It's weird. I claim to be a huge sci-fi fan, but I find a a lot of times when I try to watch certain science fiction series, stuff that's been recommended to me even, 
at least initially, a lot of things I approach feel really dense. And it's maybe it's because I just picked the wrong time of day or, or usually night to watch. No, so. I, you know and what? Just, you are right. There is kind of a little bit of a heyday of heady or hard sci-fi. I mean, I think even if you look on Apple TV Plus with Invasion, Foundation, Silo, they are pretty heady shows. I think that there's, um, yeah. you know, they get pretty I've had, deep. I've had Foundation recommended to me a few times oh, so by, by a close friend. I, I, I was very ill not that long ago, and one of the things I tried to put on, I tried to put on Foundation, and I had maybe the first 10, 15 minutes on, and I just maybe because I was not feeling well, I was like, you know what? I, I, I can't watch this. I can't, mm. you know? And then I think that, that might be, that might've been when I went to snowfall and then I, and I ended up binge your friend, the show that your friend was on and yeah. I actually binged that entire series. Such a good series. Um, I, I should watch I, that. I, 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 yeah. I should snowfall. Watch it's, 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 it's like, if you, if, if you like the wire and narcos and it's got that, it's got that nice, you know, high FX high quality sheen to it. So many good performances, um, and there's a very interesting debate to have with yourself as you watch the show, which was brought up to me when I first started watching it, and I had one opinion, and it kind of changed as the show went along, which I love when that happens. Um, all I'll say is like, there's two principal characters, and you, you here's what you need to decide as you watch the show from season one to the very end of yeah. season five I or six. Watched Who's the worst yeah, person? Yeah. And, I, and you're gonna you're gonna say it's one person, and then at a simple, it's like, well, maybe it's the other person. Yeah, I know what you're alluding to. I did, and I've seen. Uh, that was another show which I think I saw maybe five or six, maybe even seven. Ep- I don't know. Did I watch the uh, whole first season? I can't remember, but I never I never went back to it. I should go back to it because I did enjoy it. I think that may have just been a time, and there's a lot of those times. Where there's just right. so many things that you're watching that you you forget, like which is what happened with Justified too. I liked it. It's just other things came out, and maybe I, for some reason, it didn't record, or I missed an episode, or I just felt that one was the last one was a little boring, so oh. I just moved on oh. to something else. But yeah, yeah overall, that, oh, what I happened, happens okay. to everybody. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, with your. The, just because I can't let it go. Um, you mentioned the the Apple TV sci-fi stuff, whatever. Yeah. Um, just because I'd like to take a shot at it. Um, I despised. I did watch the entire first season of Invasion, and it may be one of my least favorite things I've sat <laughs> in I can't. Last I can't blame you for that. Years. Yeah, I, I can't just, blame you. Just thinking I, about it makes me angry. <laughs> it, it's a it's a tough one. You know what? For me, for some reason, I normally would not have liked a show like Invasion where they slow burn so much stuff and there were so many B-plots, but I just found them interesting. I don't know why. I guess I I just did. And I think the second season definitely is more cohesive and more interesting, but I couldn't suggest to someone, I love Foundation. Foundation, I would suggest to anyone, and I think it stands up. I wouldn't I, I really would. say the same for Invasion, though I really do enjoy it a lot. I can see why it doesn't get the same critical, like it does not get praised very much. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I just have a lot of issues with it. And but and my issue isn't even the slow burn aspect. I've 
there are many things I've watched over the last 25 years that fall into that category. And I will be patient as anybody. But my issue is then, you know what? That's fine. But you better give me characters I'm going to find interesting yes, and compelling yeah. and want to watch. And I didn't feel that show did that for me. And I just got, I couldn't decide which characters irritated me more. It's like, <laughs> oh, the, the skull children. You know what? Can we just murder them all? Murder them all. <laughs> And that, and that was the only one that was even remotely interesting. Oh, and then the family and the, the oh, and the, oh, God. All the right. kids on Sorry the bus that. were pretty trying for me, but I made it through. I think a lot of times, too, is um, when you think about TV, right? And I don't know if this is the same for you. I am, I, I find it hard to sit still. I'm always doing something. I'm always moving or walking around or talking or thinking about something or doing something. And I kind of TV falls for me in like three different categories though. There's a category of shows and sports too, a lot of sports and reality shows that I am only half watching while I do something else that is maybe do the dishes, fold the laundry. I, you know, I'm a, I'm an avid Lego builder and collector. So I build my own Lego designs and I'll sit there and I'll watch, you know, like Shaws of Sunset or, or Invasion does kind of fall into that category for me. I'll watch that while I'm like folding laundry or doing whatever. And then there's some shows that I do not do anything else. I'm concentrating just by myself. I love that show. And then the third category is the show that I watch with my wife where we're talking while the show is on that's a lot of reality shows where we're making each other uh, laugh and talking shit and that's basically we share a love of reality shows and we'll watch like last night we watched real housewives of salt lake city and we're talking through the whole entire thing you know we have to keep on re what did that person say because we're making fun of them or making each other laugh or whatever you know but right, right. that show where i have where it's like i'm not doing anything else that to me is like foundation is a show like that. If I put that on, I'm not doing anything else. I am going to sit back, probably take a nice hit from the bong. Not really a bong. I smoke from a bowl. Bongs, it's too much for the lungs. I'm almost 50 people. Um, and I just will like take that in and be in that world completely. Invasion had it was a little harder. The second season does. I've done that sometimes with this. There's some episodes where I'm like, okay, I'm really into this. I finished folding the laundry. I'm just going to watch invasion. I'm not doing anything else. This is really taking me in. But I don't, do you find yourself, do you have, the, or, or you like look at your, I'm not, I haven't really been looking at my phone as much lately. So it's not like I'd watch TV while looking at my phone, but I do that sometimes. What are your experiences with watching TV like that? Do you find you watch there's some shows you just concentrate on and others you do something else. Well, I've talked about something similar to this as well. I, I, I guess I'll just break it into essentially two categories because I live alone, so I don't have the, uh, the conversation partner <laughs> for that kind of thing. I, what I do, I call them background shows yeah. and the other shows. Background shows are something that can just, I feel it's on in the background. I'm, I, it's on, I can, I'm watching it, but yeah. I might be folding laundry or or maybe I'm playing words with friends at the same time while it's on or I mean, whatever. And I'm not worried that much that I might miss something. And it's also, I use that as how I know 
I'm starting to really not like a show as much anymore because a show becomes a background show. Ah, you know, you know. Inter- that's an interesting concept and, when it and, falls back or it could fall up like I was talking about with yeah, invasion, right? Right. We're, you mentioned reality and I know that we both uh, watch Survivor. Yeah. Survivor's had a couple seasons where for me, and I've been watching it since its inception, you know, 23, 24 years ago, whatever it is. Um, it it started it started to become a background show, and it yeah. never was for me. I was always locked in on it. Now it's like I I, I don't I, I would walk I because I'm always watching it on a delay anyway. But I used to. But if I had to leave the room to do something, I would pause it. Now I wasn't pausing. I was like, I don't care. Ah, yeah. And that's, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a bad sign. Yeah. And, it, and it was like that for a different show. There, there were shows that fell down that way to the point where then you feel like, okay, am I watching this out of obligation? Because I just, and, I, and quite frankly, it sort of is that for me when I know a show is nearing its end, even though I really don't like the show very much. But it's like, I've invested that, that number of years and hours into this. I kind of just want to see how it ends. You never know. Maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe I'll be impressed. I never am, but I but I have that hope. Because <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm such an optimist. Uh, I, that's good. That's a good. Oh, you bring up Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's come back. Wh- have you? Has it come back to being a a main focus show for you? I found last season to be. A bit of a return to form. I liked last season more than I liked probably the previous three or four seasons. I really enjoyed I, it. I would. Wow, we're not supposed to be agreeing with stuff here, Axe. Um, I actually do agree with that sentiment. I All did right. like this past season more than the previous few. I'll tell you something. Here's the problem, um, and with a few folks, and some of them might actually listen to this when when we see it put up. Uh, I they lured me into checking out the Australian version of survivor. Yes. I've watched that too. Oh my God. That, that is to me that that would be the show I would be locking in on because I couldn't believe how much fun it was, how intense it was. Yes. And like, this is what survivor should be. This is how, you know, and because you know, a lot of times, like the competitions on Survivor, kind of I find them kind of like uh, the same thing over and over again, or a little boring, a little stupid. I never felt that way with the Australian one. I just and, and it felt like it was just you know nonstop strategizing, and yet you had really fun or interesting characters. Um, uh, so good. So then, but the problem is, but then all of a sudden, you know, the American Survivor comes back, and you put it. I was like, oh, this feels really limp and lame in comparison and i appreciate what they've been doing on survivor over the last several years where okay we're not just going to go out and get all the most you know you know macho or buff or you know athletic people we want it to be more everyday people you know so we can so it's more relatable but at a certain point it's like yeah okay but yeah maybe you need a bigger a better mix of those people it seems like you just have like you have like two physical standouts and the other 16 people you know, are kind of nothings. I understand why they shortened the period of time for the season because of the whole COVID thing. And, you know, also budgetary reasons as well factor into it. But then it does come off a little bit like, oh boy, 26 days now. So you, you, you don't even spend the entire month. And, 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 and we're supposed to be, be excited by fact, but no, we're going to make it harder because we're going to give them less food. Like, 
yeah, that's not really what I want to watch. I don't really want to watch people starving for four weeks. I, you know, bring back the auction, you idiots or something just make it more yeah. fun again the show needs to be fun and that's my that's why i just kind of i mean it did it, it did go up a couple of ticks that this past season and i am looking forward to the upcoming one i think so. i might be asked to appear on someone's podcast i'm not sure about that, about that one um but you know but like i said and that means I'll, and that means I'll have to lock in on it, so I can't, I can't be defaulting laundry during it this time. For me, I agree with everything you said, man. We, we, we totally agree. And I, Australian Survivor, which is longer, I think it was like fifty-four days there out there. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's and the challenges are much harder. Um, I and and I felt like you said too. Look, I understand that probes sees this as a social experiment and he yep. wants the show to mirror America, right? Like, I mean, going all the way back to Richard Hatch, that was a big deal, uh, right? A gay yeah. nudist won the first season of survivor, you know, um, right. that was it. They, and they've always played off that, but the lengths to which they've gone to include, like, this is a reflection of America instead of let's talk about the game right or the right. conditions or even hey the country that you're in they never t i know they're in the same place now and they have been and i you can't fault that for same thing you said production reasons right like it's hard yeah. you know i know they got in trouble in other place for like killing animals or yeah. leaving the beach dirty so that's fine but i just feel like i want to show about the show, not about how it's a reflection of how bad American politics are. I live in America. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need to be, I don't. And, and also reality shows in general, I love you, but you're, you're not capable of solving these problems. You're a fucking reality show like survivor stand on a piece of wood for eight hours holding a ball in, in your left hand and it can't fall. That's what I want to see. I don't yeah. really need to see two people discuss their experiences in America because I don't think the show, the editors, the producers, the writers, the contestants are capable of having an intelligent, thoughtful conversation. I don't even think they should try. And it always comes off as either cheesy or I don't want to say the word pandering because it has a different connotation in today's world, but it does come off that way, right? And yeah. like, let's stop and have a moment on Survivor. You're Survivor. I agree with every, I agree with all these moments. I'm a progressive liberal person who wants a Benetton of colors and love and whatever. You do you. But I didn't tune in for that. I tuned in to watch Survivor. And the fact that you're trying to convince us that that's what you are instead of a TV show that's made to sell commercials is annoying. <laughs> and like you're not to do it in one season. I get it. That's the theme of the season. But then move on. Right. Right. Have a villain. There hasn't been the last good villain on Survivor was what? Tony, maybe. Was Tony the last good villain on this show? Um, 
And how long ago yeah. was Tony on the show? Like six years ago originally or something? I know he came back, yeah. but the, I mean, that doesn't count I when mean, they bring other people back, so many people, they, but let's have a villain. Had, yeah, they've, they've had folks who might have had, you know, a, I guess a villainous moment or here, but they were just, they felt like pale imitations of previous survivors. Yeah, and they always like, end like, up apologizing by the end of the uh, season, right? Uh, awful, awful. <laughs> like, what are you apologizing oh, I, for? I, I, I said from the get go, back even when I was watching this 20 something years ago, I was like, because people seem just like when they want to watch a film or a TV show, they always talk about uh, they need someone to root for. I push yeah. back on that. Uh, thank I push you. back on that because I always say, "Really? How did you? How are you able to watch you know half of Martin Scorsese's movies? Who, who are you rooting for? Aging bull or taxi driver? Let me know. Are are you actually rooting for Don Corleone? What's wrong with you in in Coppola Anyway, um, my thing with Survivor was give me good villains. Yeah. I. I am. I actually. I enjoy rooting against people more on Survivor than I do rooting for people because that's drama. You need a protagonist and an antagonist. You need to have some friction here, right? We we need to have a conflict, right? And look, let's let's be honest. Their most famous winners, technically in my mind, they're all villains. Yes. Sandra's a villain. Boston yeah. Rob's a villain. Totally. You know, they, they, then they're like the most famous players from the show. I'm a little, I got a little tired of them like hiding in the treehouse while people were voting it, which led to nothing. I was like, why are we, what, what are they doing this season? Remember that one? That's ridiculous. But um, yeah, I would love the show to, to get its bearings back. It just feels like it's, and, and I'll, and maybe I'll even talk about it this coming season. We'll see. But right now, for the last few years, it's just so watered down and it's it everything is. that, yeah. Said. And I don't even, I just like, I just want it to be, the basics and and i understand the show and i understand pro thinking you know the show has to change and evolve over time like hey you know what at this point there's things that you abandoned from like 10 15 years ago you can bring them back and make them new again and you can just tinker with them to make it something different i know why you got rid of the auction for example but there's an easy fix which i've suggested a million times hey they're able to do it in freaking australia and it works there's yeah. a way you can make it work here too. Guess what? Don't tell people you're selling them an advantage. Have it hidden. In, you don't know if it might be in whatever the food item is. So people don't know how, because that was the thing. They they stopped the auction because, okay, people are just holding onto their money and they're just going to bid on the advantage or whatever at the end. So they didn't want to do it anymore. Okay, then don't do it that way. Yeah, make it I all know. It, it does. And, maybe, there, and may, maybe there's something hidden in there or not. Maybe we'll see it or not. It's so simple. And, you know, I, I understand they don't want to do like the, the eating things anymore. I, I, I kind of get that. And then that was kind of gross for a lot of people. I'm okay with that. That part yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Because I always just I'm, fast forwarded through that. I have to be I'm okay honest. with it. But how, how many episodes have I watched in the last season where the past couple of seasons where there was maybe only one challenge the entire damn episode? Yeah. And I was like, wait, well, what just happened here? And just give. And then they like, talk for 20 minutes about their experiences outside of the island that's what i'm saying like it's you're i i yeah. i used to We're feel getting, like you would start feeling almost claustrophobic when watching that show but it was almost in a way a comfort right like that's all that existed what where who they were before was now gone and they were now yeah. living on a fucking island they were back to basics it seems I, like I, they I, keep reminding us i don't I, know I used, I used to love the idea that you know dude what 
why why'd you bring why'd you bring a suit jacket? That's what you're gonna be wearing for the next 39 <laughs> Did you not think about that? I loved all those kind of things because it was about the survival on the island. Yeah. Because that's what I want the show to be about. How are they truly, even though we know there's a camera crew there or whatever, so it's not like they're anyone's gonna die, but it is about survival. Yes. And it's about the strategizing and, and we see how these different people, these characters, you know, kind of work the way to how, how they work together. I don't need that much about their background. I don't want to know that mm-hmm. because half the time I don't like the idea that you have someone on who's like, oh, he's a former football player and he's got it's like, okay, so he's got some money then, right? And and they would show us and it would seem like, well, he's clearly got money. Whatever. Yeah. I don't want that guy on. So I'm sorry. I, 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 I be the, the anti-cleaner. I I think you have a you point. Yeah. I want you to need the money. Yeah. If you I don't was... need a million dollars, you don't get to be on Survivor. Do you um, do you ever listen to Tyson's Survivor podcast on the Ringer? I've heard about it. I, I I'm not I'm not. I'm actually not big on listening to podcasts, so I can't say I've ever. Okay, that's fine. I <laughs> I I don't listen to it all the time. Um, it's okay. Um, the, the problem with the ringer is they need to have someone host the show. And then he's the, he's not a podcast host. It's the same thing. They have a whole podcast with Johnny bananas and it's like listening <laughs> to a fucking chaos in someone's mind. You know, you oh, need yeah. a host to actually kind of hone the person in. But they had an interesting point where they were kind of making fun about how like every season of Survivor now is like, here's five lawyers who are going to lie about and and say that they're construction workers or something. Yes, right. right. (laughs) They always like, it does become very formulaic. And I understand they, they are, they, I have to give credit where credit is due in at least trying to change it up. But it seems like, they need to kind of just go back to the basics of how, like we're both talking about having the show be about the show and also more challenges, more living, more about the conditions that they're living in and that feeling. Cause that's what originally drew that to me and the gameplay too, because that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, they go a and, little overboard with the idols though. Last season, I think, they oh, did a, you know, maybe oh. a little better job, but. Sometimes they it's did, too but much. yeah, I, I, quite frankly, I think there should be only two in the entire game. I'm fine it. with that. I'm fine because with I, that. because once it got to the point, and I, I love how they seem to acknowledge, oh, we want to stop doing this or this because it became too predictable and formulaic, and yet you do other things that continue to be yeah, predictable totally. and formulaic. The fact that anyone is going to walk around because they're going to look for a wacky knot in a tree or, or some weird rock formation because they know that's probably where there's a hidden <laughs> idol. That's, the fact that people can think that means that's a bad thing. The fact that someone could do a, what what do you call it, thing with a with a 3D printer home, at home and create the the little the jigsaw puzzle yes. tree. Yes. And, yep. and they practice at home. And wait, you're doing, and then they do the exact same one yeah, you're, you're, I know. And then they say they'll say something like, well, let's honor that fame. Like, it's like they're trying to be so self-referential. And it's like, you know, the fifth, like uh, how it makes me think of Johnny Bananas saying that the challenge is like the fifth major sport. Like, you know, we're survivor. We do, no change it up. If somebody I totally agree with you, Scott, if somebody why, already why knows we, the puzzle, just, don't do that puzzle anymore. Here's what I, you know what? Who are your designers? You couldn't change the tree 
you can. It's like, no, only, we only have one mold. We can never make any other mold of this. This is the I one we're going to exactly what you're talking years. about. I, know I was exactly. like, really? You can't do that? Yeah. And, and I'm sorry. I'm and I'm. I, I, I'm just going to say it right now. I am opposed to the whole fire making thing at the end. I'm, yeah, I'm, I that I'm was fun. It. That was fun when it was Initially. a possibility. If it was a tie, that was yeah. fun. Because then it kind of, it, it held this mystique. But now that it's a thing, it's like annoying because you're just, it, it, I don't know, it just takes the mystique. I don't know how to explain it. It's still I, kind of a challenge one, to right. like to do it and watching them is still kind of fun, but it just feels a little cheap that Anti- that's the way yeah. they planned it. And again, going back to Australian Survivor, the fact that they would have a number of tribal councils including Tordian, and they would constantly throw curveballs at us which which i was like i i kind of want them to do that on the american survivor yeah again you don't got to do the same ideas but just change it up make it you know that i i want to be like wanting to talk about this later on as opposed to yeah oh well whatever <laughs> you know yeah that makes sense well Does I sound okay yeah you sound great man Okay. Everything sounds good. Yeah. No, it's fun to talk about Survivor. And actually, as we were chatting, I looked it up. Tony was originally on season 28 in 2016 or 2017. So that's that really since then, I do, I cannot think of a major villain that has, that was as interesting as him. And that's what I really am looking for. The the show is listening to the reason why I mentioned Tyson. They didn't make, they just, they were kind of talking a little bit about that, that they were hoping they saw three or four people um, on this new season that looked potentially like they could be villains. And there was one person in particular who compared themselves to Tony and said, I'm going to be the villain of this show. And I'm like, good, at least give it a shot, you know, because remember all the, it's just like you said, yeah, man, to me, Boston Rob is the best. I still don't understand how Mm -hmm. he bent people to his will. He just told people to do things and they did it. They're starstruck. Yeah, it was. But even in the first season, he was able to do that. Right. True. He true. he just had this ability to walk into a room and tell people what to fucking do, and they listen to him. I I, I would watch be watching that show like, and you're right in the season when he came back when he because right he lost the first season, his wife won, and then he won the second season, right? Yeah, it's when he had like the, the FBI, the, the so called FBI guy and, yeah. and uh, coach and all those characters. Yeah. Had, had, great, had great characters. Definitely had great characters. And, and every um, week I'd be like, why are you letting him be on the show? Why don't you just vote oh, Rob out immediately? First, you oh, First of all, that should be the rule from the get go. Whenever you have someone returning who won, then bye bye. You, you you leave after three days because totally. why would it? And they are all using some of the shield. Shut up! No no no! I don't don't give them a chance to roll. We you, you said you watched the Australian Survivor. I'm assuming you watched with with King George on it. I'm I'm, I'm hoping. That's, I don't remember. It's been it's been many years since I watched. Oh my god! Okay, the Australian I, version. Actually, I, our it, friend Peter from Australia sent me DVDs of a C, and I watched it. Okay, uh, I, I will tell you this. 
it, it's a huge investment of time. I get that. But if you can, and it's a little tricky, but you, you, you're, you're, you're probably more adept at this than I am. I would really encourage you to get a hold of the last two seasons okay. of Australian Survivor, and you'll see someone at the core of this last past season who had been in a previous season apparently as well. Um, talk about having a villain on the show and talk about the idea like someone who like every week is like, how do they not vote this person out? And he, the person stays, and he's so he might as well be twirling his mustache. He's like, he, but right, he's like, I'll, the I'll, I'll watch it, yeah, because oh, I see that they're, it's still running too. They're doing a new, they're doing yeah. Australian heroes. And, they're um, doing heroes versus villains this San, January. Sa- Sandra actually showed up on it with her daughter, and she, her daughter has been on two different seasons now. Oh no, Australia. that was the last season. I'm sorry, the last season. It was last January that it premiered. So, is that one of the seasons you're talking about? Heroes versus villains. Oh yes. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, so I'll try good. to watch it then because I'm uh, getting watch that Survivor. one. It's that's a great. It's that's a great season, and the one before it's a, that I saw it was a great season. Though there, and, and I've heard, and the funny thing is, we, me and my so, so my American friends, we watch this one season. And we're like going on, like, I can't believe how amazingly good this is. And then we find out that, but in Australia, they were like, nah, it's not, it's not as good as all the previous seasons. They were kind of crapping. I was like, they don't think this is good. What? <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, American wait. Paramount never- Plus. It looks like Paramount Plus has it available. I'll check mm-hmm. that out. I I if have they've that. updated that. I'll have to check that out myself then. Yeah. Anyway. All right, man. <laughs> Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. You know how it is. People in the different countries are, you never know when something is, people, it gets kind of played out, you know, especially with reality because right, right, they're right. comparing it to what they're, wa- other things they're watching. And um, yeah, man, but uh, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to survive. Now, the one thing though, Scott, is you were talking about it having being a background show. There is some news about this new season of Survivor, which made me a little bit happy. Okay, it's more, but also a little like, huh? Every episode's 90 minutes. I wonder where they got that idea from. Is there another Survivor series? That, oh, yeah, Australia. Um. <laughs> well, but that's a typical reality. And because of the strike thing, too, you know, but I don't know. I hope that they can pack that with, a, with challenges and play and fun stuff because you think for 90 minutes, man, they can yeah. sometimes Ooh. 90 minutes. Maybe they can fit two challenges in finally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, I don't know. What happened to people fishing and catching fish and that stuff? That was, oh. you know, we see them doing it and they never catch anything. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that <laughs> stuff too. Yeah. Like yeah, actually, actually give value when they win something at a challenge, right? Like show the value of it, show the value when they don't have it. I feel yes. like they kind of skirt past that stuff pretty quickly. No. Instead of like, no, we're going to give you half a bag of rice and yep. here, 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 fun. It's like, how about winning? We win toilet paper or something. Oh God. <laughs> we don't need to see him use that. All right. Well, look, that's a great place to end it in the toilet paper, baby. Uh, Scott, it has been really fun having you on buddy. Um, I got to have you back. Uh, Cause I'm doing this thing every day now. And, uh, we were just talking about, we didn't even know what we were going to talk about. Just like get on, talk about shit. And this is good stuff, man. I like it. Thank you. Kind of let loose. Yeah. Cause maybe, you know, maybe next time we get to talk, um, 
there's, there's definitely other things coming out for the rest of the year that I yeah. think we're both looking forward to and we can maybe chat about those um but yes it's been fun i like i I'll, I'll give you all the credit in the world. I was not expecting to talk about Survive for, or Perry Mason, so I like that you threw me a couple curveballs yeah, there, but cool. Wow. You're I, a professional. I could talk, talk about Survivor all day long. It's really weird. I, I can't help it. I love it, man. It gets me excited. Well, why don't you um, tell everybody where they can find you and websites ah, or socials ab- or whatever? Absolutely. Um, I'm actually the host of two podcasts now um the aforementioned the serious tv drama podcast um sometimes referred to as the stvd podcast you can find that on apple Podcasts. you can go to the host site which is um you know at podbean.com and you can plug in serious tv drama podcast there and you'll find it we're, we're available on most um podcast providers and the podcast that i started up um a year ago a little less than a year ago um is scott forgot the 80s and the only key there is to remember that my name is spelled with only one T because if you put in Scott with two T's, you're not going to find it. Um, that's like a monthly podcast where I go back and I watch a movie from the eighties that I've never seen because I was a big movie snob, even as a kid. And I refuse to see most movies and my, and I have a different co-host for every episode, someone who has seen the movie and is probably a really big fan of the movie. Our mutual friend, Andrew actually appeared on two, two episodes yeah. already. Uh, when we did the, the never ending story, one, it's still the funniest one we ever did because it was the first one I really hated. Um, but you can find that everywhere that you can find Scott, um, the serious TV drama podcast as well. Just remember it's Scott forgot the eighties. You can find us on Facebook as well. And join the conversation about all those kind of movies or shows and, and whatnot. I love it. Now, wait, did you have Bill Kava on an episode too? Um, Bill, Bill, as you know, is, is lovely in the fact that he promotes, he will promotes things on his Facebook page, but it seems like every other thing is a movie he hasn't seen, um, but we've <laughs> talked about it. He, he might appear. I mean, we, 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 I've kind of, I've kind of mixed it up with who the guests have been. So okay. I didn't, I didn't want All to right. just be, you know, you, you're, if you, if we can come up with a movie that you, that, that works for you that I haven't seen, you might even be a potential, I, you too could be a co I would love to. That's not all right. Well, I've just booked you two guests, me and Bill Coffer. We're coming on, baby. We got to find, we got to find some movie. That's a great idea too. I like that. It's a good idea it, it, for a podcast. I'm, fi- I'm finally doing a podcast where I, I've stuck to the hour length rule. Yeah, <laughs> that's a I, tough one, man. As we, yeah, as we a, demonstrate today. Yes. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's been awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Head on over to DVRpodcast.com. Become a patron at Patreon.com slash DVR. Uh, I will include links to Scott's stuff in the show notes. And I'll be back tomorrow with our man, One Mike, to chat about a host of different shit yet again. Thanks, everybody. And thanks again, Scott. Peace out, people. Good night.